Welcome to Tell Me More About Co-Housing with Lynn Morstead and Kelly Soika. Co-Housing Houston is a multi-generational community-minded group of people who share the values of connection and sustainability. We are developing the first co-housing project in Texas, in Houston, even ahead of Austin. Morning, Kelly. Good morning, Lynn. And hi, Katie. Hi, Katie. Good morning. <laughs> well, today we have another special guest. This is pretty exciting for us because I feel like for, for a while there, we were talking about co-housing and now we get to have these really great conversations with people from around the co-housing world. And today we wanted to interview our consultant, Katie McCammett, and have her describe some of the unique aspects of a co-housing project from a development and also from a financing perspective, because it's pretty different than just a, a regular development. Mm -hmm. um, if you remember, we heard from our developer, David Kelly, last week, and uh, Katie brings more depth to the unique approach that he was uh, speaking about last week. Remember, he was talking about his 500 communities experience, Lynn? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so this is Katie. This is we brought the the expert who who made him the expert. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. So, Katie, I was hoping um, really quickly that you might be able to um, talk to us a little bit about um, your experience and your role in the co housing world in the U.S. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yes, I'd love to talk about it. So, I guess you could say my claim to fame is um, I am one half of the couple that uh, did the original research and wrote the book and introduced the idea of co-housing to the English speaking world. Mm -hmm. um, since then, I've done a lot of other things. So luckily I've also been able to live in co-housing most of the last 30 years. So I've been involved as a community member and homeowner. I've been the architect on many projects. I was the developer partnering with co-housing groups on a slew of projects. And now I work in my company as co-housing solutions as a development consultant. I see my role as bringing sort of the best practices of what we've learned in developing co-housing over the last 30 years to new communities all across North America. Mm, thanks, Katie. Well, can you say a little bit more to our listeners about how you've been engaged with co-housing in Houston specifically? Well, yes, it's been fun working with the Houston group. So we've been working together a couple of years now. Um, so I think, I think I was your first consultant. Actually, you know, I'm going to have to um, throw in a little shock factor here. It is not a couple of years. It's a couple times two. We've actually been together for four years, if you can believe that. <laughs> Yeah, time flies. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Time flies when you're having a good time, right? So, <laughs> yeah. And meeting great people. So yeah, so I um, I've been working with co-housing Houston for I don't know how many years then, <laughs> but, but basically, um, you know, I I like I do with most of my clients, I get involved on the ground floor to help the community get real about what it's really going to take. Um, to get themselves organized and how to begin to approach the development process. So I see that as really the, the role I play and then helping to build your team. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, co-housing Houston, like many communities, is working with great professionals, but professionals that haven't, don't have a lot of co-housing experience. So often I, I bring that helping both the co-housing community members, as well as the professional team, understand how to get be as effective as possible, um, how other communities have you know, got their communities built, 
What can we learn from that so that you are always building off the best practices and making them your own? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, one of the things that I've really enjoyed, Katie, being a part of this project is learning about how the financing and development of it comes together and how it's the same or different from other projects outside of the co-housing world. And I think that a lot of the things that are really intriguing about it are, are kind of unique. They come through your um, kind of package of, you know, this is how you can build this. This is how you can budget this out. So I was hoping that we could talk about some of those um, specifics first um, about kind of how does a co-housing project come together? You know, what is unique about um, the finance and development that really sets us apart from other development projects? Well, I think one of the most unique things about uh, co-housing, and it's really, it's driven from a couple of different things, is that we build the community first and then the project, the actual yeah. physical structure. That's not to say that you're, you know, no, there's no group out there that has 30 households at the beginning. But what um, I found, and I think this is also what drove the developments in Denmark, where we were really our inspiration, was that you, you know, you could talk about this great innovative approach to housing that really meets the needs of our current demographics in, in our country, in my mind, much better than a single family homes do. But people are really are uh, in the development world are skeptical that there's real buyers out there that really want this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what drives my whole approach is that you've got to prove you have real buyers who can really afford what it really costs to build. Mm -hmm. And once you can prove that, the other aspects come into fall into place, being able to find a developer to partner with, being able to find construction financing. Mm -hmm. But you've got to prove that it's not just a wild fantasy, but there are real, are real people out there who do want to live in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you do some innovative things to get people there because people, I mean, my experience is a little bit different. Having lived in co-housing, I think I came into this project a little bit more ready than maybe some other people. But uh, even so, I went through some of your workshops. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that, about how you get people to the point where they're ready to kind of take the jump uh, with these neighbors and, and show up and, and get the development done. Yeah. So first of all, you just have to get the idea out there to find people interested in a different kind of neighborhood. But most people everywhere, they really have no idea how housing gets built. Mm -hmm. So it turns out that a big part of my role in co-housing is introducing people who want to live in co-housing into the crazy world of how housing actually gets built in America. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I often say that you, you, don't, you don't need to learn to be a real estate developer in all the detail, but you do need to know enough that you can partner with a real estate developer and that, you know, get involved that way. So, so that's where, you know, we've developed over the years, a series of workshops to bring communities together. And um, like we did with co-housing Houston was mm -hmm. a kickoff workshop. Once you got to your site that really mm -hmm. helped to lay out, you know, the, here's what is in the budget. Here's what it's based on. It's, Here's what could affect it. Here's the timeline so that people have a sense of what's ahead and begin to sort of mm -hmm. understand the process of building housing. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, one thing just strikes me. I'm just going to do a little sidebar here, Katie, because I've been with you the whole time and I've been in several of your workshops. Is I remember the very first workshop, it was that kind of moment of truth 
where we all switch gears and it was t- completely pushed by you and your partner um, where, okay, you guys, you're going to switch over from that sitting around a campfire fantasizing after a couple of beers, like, wouldn't it be great kumbaya to like, okay, stand up, man up, put your money in the hat. And it was really so powerful. We could never have gotten there without you. So anyway, that was just a little sidebar to connect with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I do think, I think that's one of the big hurdles people have to get over is that if you're not willing to put your money up as a potential buyer of this community, nobody else is going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people waste a lot of time hoping someone else is going to front the money. Mm-hmm. But that's what really speaks to the strength of this model is when people put their own money in the project then they're really speaking to their values. They're not just talking about it. They're actually investing in the values that they're talking to and saying, I'm willing to put my money on the line because I think we need better ways to live that make more sense for our our current world. So that's very powerful. When I can get communities that point where they're putting their own money on the line, then I've got a package I, I can take to a developer, I can take to a bank. Um, but it's, it's getting communities to accept that that really is the way forward. Interesting. You know, one of the things, Katie, that I've been really intrigued by is also this kind of the way that the budget is built, where there is risk sharing um, between the consultants, the developer, the community. Um, and But it's, it's unique and, and interesting, and I don't know that everybody understands it unless you're in the middle of it. So I was hoping that you might be able to talk a little bit about this concept of distributable cash and, you know, what is it and why is it? Um, why is it there? Why is it important? Yeah, and I think, I think first we probably ought to just remind people how most housing is built in America. So most housing is built by private developers. And, you know, we're in a capitalist society. So the goal of any developer, the way we've created how the game is played is to hold my cost as low as possible and be able to sell as high as possible because the difference between my cost to build and what I can sell it for is my profit. Mm -hmm. And so that, you know, looking, kind of understanding the market, but trying to hold your cost and sell high. Now, with co-housing, because it is driven by a buyer's group um, that is founding the project, it is a cost plus fee model. So it's actual cost, you know, not just construction costs, but the cost of financing, insurance, your designers, your city fees, the total cost of building the project plus 10%. Mm -hmm. So that 10% is what we call the distributable cash. And uh, it was, I really have to give credit to Jim Leach in Colorado as one of the first developers that partnered with co-housing projects. And he really invented this model. Hmm. Um, and I saw how brilliant it was and have worked with it now for decades, refining it as we go. So, so now it's a well-honed process that I, I think really works well. And so the, the, the first thing that really drives that 10%, the distributable cash, is that when you go to get a big construction loan to build your project, they want to see a difference between cost and sales value. Mm -hmm. For the bank, that's a great big contingency. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So there is like if they're not going to give a bunch of home buyers a loan that doesn't have some buffer Mm -hmm. in it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it really protects the construction lender. 
Um, but also, I think the process that we use, um, and, and the thing that I really like it about it, is by sharing what's left at the end of that distributable cash between the group and your development partner, that you are sharing the risk and rewards. So it's really what I'm looking for and what I'm always trying to do is to align our legal and financial models with a shared risk, shared reward model. And so that's so that the idea is if you start, if you can hold your cost, so you get that whatever's left of that 10% at the end of the project, mm -hmm. and a well-managed project usually can, is that that is half of that is the developer fee. So the mm -hmm. developer is sharing the risk with the community. And the other half goes back to the community and or your investors. And so the idea is when a project is financially successful, everybody wins on the back end and that you don't end up with a tug of war between a group of buyers wanting to get more, but not sharing the cost of that with the developer who's, who's helped working with you. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like it incentivizes the community to make good decisions um, that keep it, keep itself within budget so that, so that there is just distributable cash at the end of the day. Yeah, incentivized to make decisions and also to understand in, in, the, in real estate development, the project's not done till every home is sold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where it really shows up is at the end, when you move in, there's a couple homes still to sell, you still have to show up to get your community sold out. Right. Even though what you really want to do is be arranging everything in your new closet. So, uh, so I think sort of holding us, it is not, it is not me as an individual buyer, but we as a community that needs to see the project through all the way to the end. And one of the key roles of the community is finding your future neighbors. Mm -hmm. uh, so that means showing up to introduce people to co-housing talking about the project, getting, meeting people until every home is sold. Mm -hmm. yes. You know, I'm just reflecting, it is kind of a learning process of, of, of participating in something where there is not a they that is doing this and uh, a some other them. And we keep, we often get that question about the, you know, decisions being made here around the business pieces. They like, well, what if they do this? And we are always like, who are you talking about? We be they, you know, we, <laughs> And, and I think yeah. it's good that you highlight that as we look at selling out the last third of our project. You know, we really need to understand that we're all, it's in our, all of our interests. So that's a really great point to highlight. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the big shifts in paradigms, also living in community, mm -hmm. is that, you know, I think we've become a society where it's really easy. We're looking for someone to blame. Right. Yes. Yeah. But as opposed to, OK, what can I do about that? What can we do about that? How are we going to affect mm -hmm. these things that are affecting our life in a day to day way? It's, um, and it's very empowering when you really get that. It's like rather than just complaining about everybody else, why don't we get organized and do something about it? And I think that's actually the real power in this is um, is that when people see that they can really affect their life, they can create a neighborhood that like they want it it changes people forever. Um, I know that being part of a co-housing group has really impacted those who, I mean, you know, the power of dreaming about a neighborhood and then literally watching this thing come out of the ground and moving in is 
pretty powerful stuff when you're when you're part of that create creation process. Yay! I feel Yay. like. <laughs> Like, okay, what? let's go. Let's go. <laughs> is, is there any? Was there anything else in the financial area um, that we? No, I think. I think one of the things is you know the uh, the price of housing goes up and down with the economy, not the price, not the cost to build so much, but what it sells for. So the cost plus model really works because you know you're getting what you pay for. You know this idea that you're going to get something you didn't pay for just doesn't really work in the world. So if you, you as a community, you know, the question is not, you know, will you get solar panels? The question is, well, we know we want to design for solar panels. They might be installed with the initial construction if we, our community can afford it. Um, or we might design for it and then add solar panels later when we can afford it, right? Mm -hmm. But you, you know exactly what's in that budget and you're getting what you pay for. Right. Yeah. So it's a, by working with an open budget system, it sort of takes away this tug of war and questions about what you're paying for. It's like, here it is. This is what we're paying for. And you right. get what you can pay for. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was. Can I move on to ask about some misconceptions or. Yeah. Um, so I just um, I know that sometimes as we start stepping outside of our community, once we've been educated and we start working with other people, we're starting to bump into other people that we would be dealing with either in the city permitting office or uh, now approaching banks in our area that are unfamiliar with co-housing or mortgage companies. Can you speak to some of the more common misconceptions in the outside professional world that we interface with that you are uh, helping to educate people on? Well, I think that there's two different things. It's very interesting in the development world. Um, the thing is to help uh, developers and uh, bankers and such understand that co-housing groups are really just home buyers. They're not a bunch of entrepreneurs. They don't have big money behind them. They're middle-class home buyers. And they ended up in the real estate development world, not because they wanted to become real estate developers, but because they wanted a different kind of neighborhood than anybody was building out there. Hmm. So I find that's one of the things that I kind of have to like readjust their expectations about what co-housing groups can do hmm. and what's realistic. On the other side, you know, I mean, neighbors and Planning departments, you know, they think you're some sort of crazy cult, right? <laughs> it's always shocking to me, the people who just think it's so weird that neighbors actually like each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, what? I was this radical, right? Um, and so I think in that situation, that's where co-housing members are your best credibility. Mm -hmm. I often, you know, if, if people, you know, can can meet the actual members of a the community, they'll say, wow, these are actually really great people mm. trying to build a great neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So I think those sorts of things, helping people understand who is involved and why they're involved is part of it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing would be just, um, you know, it, it is a very um, different housing product than the quote American dream of single family house. And so the way the housing market has evolved and continues to evolve to this day is the bigger the house, the better, mm -hmm. you know, that I'm more successful at a bigger house. And, and so 
um, developers, housing developers are really just trying to meet a market need. And if the world sees it that way, that's what they'll do. And so we get in this world where from the economics, the way the economics drive the housing market is that you have, um, if I can build a bigger house, my cost per square foot goes down. And that's mm. supposed to be a good thing. Mm. But we don't live in our homes as a cost per square foot formula, right? It's, you know, really sort of, so getting um, appraisers and banks to understand that um, we really need, um, you know, that this is not a cost per square foot product because part of the square footage is in the common facilities. You know, it's how do you put a value on the community? Um, and we don't really check the boxes in a way for a normal appraiser would, you know, our extensive common facilities and the way the common house is used, you know, the appraiser just has a little box to check off that says community room. And it's just like, it, it's the same as some little stupid community room for 200 units. So I think that's the other thing is getting people to understand it's a different housing product and there's value in that. Mm-hmm. So I think really helping the, the development world to understand the value of, of community building and what people that are interested in co-housing are looking for. Mm-hmm. Thanks, that's really helpful. Um, I, I, I like the idea of, of uh, us being the credible aspect to the project, because I know we certainly feel like that, which leads me to, to one of our last questions here, and that is, you know, what gives you confidence um, in how co-housing will weather the storm in Houston? And uh, will we get there in the end? I mean, I'm actually hanging on the edge of my chair, hoping that you have a good answer for us here. Well, you know, groups go through that, like feeling like, oh my goodness, are we really going to get this done? And um, But I watch co-housing Houston and uh, working with you, you know, pretty much every week here. Uh, I think you're unstoppable. <laughs> I think I think you've reached the point. You have a really strong group. You've been really successful in your marketing and growing your membership, um, and you have a strong professional team. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you're you're facing the challenges of building housing head on, right? And in fact, what I have seen is in challenging times like this year with the crazy construction costs that we're dealing with all across the country, that co-housing communities will get built whereas regular developments will slow down hmm. because we, you've got your buyers. So there's a very real conversation about how do we make this work? What, what is a value? Where do we put our money? How do we raise the money? You know, whereas a, a builder that's building you know, on speculative development is guessing whether their mm-hmm. buyers will be yeah. out there for them at the end. So I have found in uncertain times, actually co-housing is much stronger than speculative development. So I don't have any doubt that co-housing Houston is going to get built. I think, you, you know, we've all like communities across the country, like anybody trying to build anything this year, we've got some challenges with construction cost, and you're in the process of working that through and figuring out what you're going to change and how you're going to adapt. Um, but I personally have absolutely no doubt that you're starting construction later this year and you'll be moving in within two years. So, and I'm really looking forward to coming and visiting. Yes. Same. Well, yeah. 
Katie, this is so wonderful. I, I feel like, you know, when you go around the country and talk to different co-housing communities, you hear about their kind of founding stories of the things that they faced and, but then you always think, oh, that's because that was them or it was a different time or whatever. So it's really comforting to hear from you because you've seen so many of these communities come together that the common theme is that once there's momentum and there are real, real buyers there, that it comes together and that it gets built and that the life after the development part is uh, is there, it's within reach, we can see it. That's exciting. Yeah, no, it's really, it is, as I say, it's a really powerful thing to be, because I watch these groups, you know, go from some people kind of talking about an idea to really becoming an unstoppable entity that is gonna get their, their communities built. And it's not to say it's easy. Right. You know, there mm -hmm. and it's not to say community is perfect. Right. You know, there's ups and downs and struggles. But I have to say, I know for me personally, having lived in co-housing most of the last 30 years, is I just really much rather be in the struggle of our own life with a bunch of people I like and respect. Mm. And that's what I get in my community. And I mm. think you're really beginning to see the strength of that in co-housing Houston. Well, thanks, Katie. What a beautiful note to end on. Thank you so much for taking time on your uh, your your Friday, busy Friday day. We're actually on a Friday, not a Monday. But um, and thanks to all of our listeners for stopping by. So glad you clicked on our episode today. For more information about our project, Cohousing Houston, go to www.cohousinghouston.com and subscribe to our newsletter. For general information about cohousing, we like cohousing.org. We're really active on social media, so check out what's happening in Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under Co-Housing Houston. See you next time. Bye. Bye.